This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's gotta be a better way. There is real estate agents. I trust.com. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, you person there. Thank you for tuning in to The Bonfire Podcast. Here with Andrew Herzog. Chances are, you might be sitting down while you're listening to this podcast. You could be up and about, which hopefully you are. Because according to the New York Post, man spreading at work is good for your health. And sitting at your job is killing you. Now for those of you who are not aware of what man spreading is, it is an attempt by some people to genderify, to sexify, whatever you want to call it, a, a common occurrence on uh, you know, public transit or public spaces. And people want to make it about a dude. They want to make it about an issue about what's between your legs. Well, guess what? The problem is not what's between your legs. The problem is the person. The person is just being a jerk. If you are on a subway and you're pregnant, you're walking down, you're looking for a spot, and you look around, you see several dudes sitting down, and none of them get up. They're jackasses. That's it. They're not being sexist. They're just stupid. They're rude. They're ignorant. Fact. Okay? To call it manspreading. Manspreading is where you're taking up more than your allotted amount of space. Okay. Um, True. I know people who do that. Keyword being people. Okay? Girls can do it too. Because they can wear jeans, they can wear pants, and spread their legs. Of course, that has certain connotations, more so for a girl than a guy, for some reason. But hell, if you're spreading your legs, you're going spread eagle there. Nobody wants to see that. What are you doing? That's just called being indecent. That's called being weird and kind of like, dude, close your legs. I don't care who you are. Nobody wants to see that. This isn't your home. You can do that at your house. But when you're out here in public, can you respect the eyeballs of the people that are all around here? Okay, so I would say that's more the issue. Of course, yes, if someone's taken up more space than they really should, and you're thinking, wow, that guy, he's man-spreading everywhere. He's taking up all the space. That's just a guy being a jerk. It's not because he's sexist or he's a man. It's because he's just stupid. Okay? Let's get that all out of the way. Man-spreading is not unique to a guy. 
Lots of people can do it. Okay. And when they do, they're just being stupid and they're being jerks. Okay. Period. Moving on. The New York Post says, man spreading at work is good for your health. And that's just a, a title that's supposed to grab your attention. Basically, the article here is saying, your desk is slowly killing you. Or so believes Kelly Starrett, a physical therapist and author of the new book, Desk Bound, Standing Up in a Sitting World. Or Standing Up to a Sitting World. Whatever. A guy that aims to mitigate back pains, carpal tunnel aches, and myriad other ailments currently affecting desk jockeys worldwide. All right. I, I am someone who sits at a desk all day. That's what we do in the TV news biz. Reading the news. Being on our computers all the time. And let me tell you, clicking that keyboard and mouse all day long. I've already had issues with my back from sitting all day. So I can understand this article. And from using the mouse all day long, I can tell you my hand now it conforms to the shape of that mouse. My index and my thumb ache more than they ever used to. I don't, I mean, that's got to be just from the mouse. Clicking all day with my index finger, not using the middle finger too much, you know, for the right click. So mostly just left click, index finger, and using the thumb so I can grab the mouse and move it all around and click everywhere I need to go. My hand starts to ache, it starts to conform to the shape of the mouse, and when I'm kind of just walking around minding my business, I notice that my hand starts to crunch up on itself into the form of the mouse. And I think, oh my god, what is going on here? I'm getting... My hand is doing something on its own. It's twitching almost down into the shape of the mouse. It's crazy. It's the weirdest stupid thing. And I've already had a couple days where I'm sitting there minding my business and my whole wrist and hand start to tingle. And I think, oh, great. Just what I needed. So, according to Carly Starrett here, our desks are killing us. Okay. Well, they're, they're killing me, as in they're really hurting me. I'm not so sure if it's death on my doorstep. But apparently, a recent study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that physical inactivity is a bigger risk factor in mortality than obesity. Even more alarming is the fact that gym addicts aren't off the hook. Quote, even if you're killing it at the gym for an hour a day, you're still considered a sedentary person if you spend most of your waking hours sitting. Warren's start. Start it. Okay. Someone like me who used to work out a lot, not so much anymore, because I get too tired from work and all my other activities that I am doing in my days. So yes, I don't kill it in the gym an hour every day. So I'm very much sedentary. So this concerns me. My back hurts. My hands hurt. Carpal tunnel. Don't want that. Bad news bears. So here are seven things she says that could probably help the situation. Minimize, number one, minimize off-the-clock sitting. Okay, duh. Grab happy hour drinks at the bar rather than at a cozy two-top. Okay, so stand up. Sit on the floor and stretch while you're watching Netflix instead of bumming around on the couch. Stand up during your morning commute. Okay, so you're on the subway. The less sitting, the better, she says. Number two, look up. Instead of hunching down to check your tablet, smartphone, or laptop, make sure the screen is at eye level. Make sure you've got some space between the screen and your eyes. Aim for 18 to 30 inches. Whatever distance in which you can see everything clearly on your screen without tilting your head. Now that, I forget, the, there's, a, there's a term for that too. It's like text neck. Something like that where you're just, you're scrunching down so much 
you start to get a wrinkle in your neck, but more importantly, you're really getting the back of your neck, the spine in particular. You're putting a lot of pressure. Your head weighs more than you think it does. And so when you're kind of, you know, tilting your head down to look at your phone, your tablet, what have you, you're putting a lot of pressure on that spine right there, right on your neck. You're going to get some problems. Number three, straighten out your spine. There you go. Toward the end of the day, you may find yourself slouching forward toward the keyboard, your spine forming a C shape. When you feel that, it's a sign to sit up straight. Instead of throwing your shoulders back, focus on pulling in your core. A stiff trunk ensures that your spine is in the correct position. All right, so not just sit up straight, but suck in your core, pull it in, and, you know, instead of throwing your shoulders back, because then you can get some shoulder problems if you try to hold that position for too long, I would know. Don't just throw your shoulders back. Not a good idea. Number four, squeeze your butt. Keyword being your. Yes, don't squeeze a butt. You need to squeeze your butt. Not with your hand. Stuck in a boring meeting? Squeeze your glutes together, which help reset your femurs into their proper position. Also, point your toes to stop your ankles from stiffening. I've noticed this. If I'm sitting at the desk and I know I can't quite get up yet to walk around, <laughs> I'll stick out my toes to stretch my ankles and stretch my calves, my quads, my glutes, as they call them here in the article. And yeah, it feels good. You get a quick little stretch and then you get right back to work. So ideally, you do want to get up and walk around. And I believe that is what point number five here is coming up. Yeah, don't get too comfortable. Be wary of ergonomic chairs. Basically, she says, some are not so much. And even if they are, that's, those just encourage you to recline, which place weight on your femurs and hamstrings, leading to hip issues. So don't get too comfortable in your seat. Get used to getting up and walking around. Spreading out. When you're sitting, here's the man-spreading part that she was getting at. Or who's the author here? That's a good point. Anna Davies, yes. Here's what Anna's getting at. Spread out. When you're sitting, position yourself on the front third of your chair. Spread your knees apart as wide as they go. Spread eagle. And plant your feet on the floor. This helps stabilize your core and pelvis. Okay. Most of us are sitting at desks. I'm, I've known that. If I'm wanting to stretch, you know, we sit usually very straight maybe kind of slouching or reclining in our chair, and we think, oh, this is a good spot. But then for me, I'm very fidgety. I'll notice, wow, okay, that's not comfortable anymore. I will spread out my legs. I will crack my back. I will lean back. Then I'll lean forward for a little bit, and then I'll stretch out my whole legs underneath the desk, and then I'll get up and walk around. Basically, she just wants you to keep moving around. Don't get too sedentary. Number seven, the final one. Keep your arms in line. Align your wrists to your forearms like you're about to perform a karate chop. And make sure your shoulders are in line with your elbows, meaning your elbows aren't splaying out. Moving your wrists and forearms out of alignment can create shoulder and neck problems. Since it's likely your wrists will occasionally move out of alignment, especially with prolonged computer work, Starrett recommends rolling your hands and wrists for two minutes at least every hour. All right. So there you have it from the New York Post. Anna Davies suggesting... Ways to get around, you know, sitting too long at work and how it's bad for you, which I think most of us do. If you're a student, if you're a worker, white collar, whatever, sitting at a desk all day, yes, it hurts. You'll have people who say, hey, you get a desk, good for you. You get to sit down. And then you can just respond, hell no, I don't want to sit down all day. It's bad. We're not supposed to sit around all day. You don't bum around at house like that at home. So why would you do it at work? Get up and walk around once an hour. Sit spread eagle. <laughs> Stretch. Minimize the sitting. Just find different ways to you know, lie down or stand during your day. 
Look up. Don't look down at your stuff. Straighten out your spine. Squeeze your butt, not someone else's. Don't get too comfortable in your seat. And keep your arms in line. Keep yourself flexible as the day moves on. So there you have it. Reasons why sitting at a desk all day is bad news bears. Reasons why we should all go outside. And reasons why we should all travel and see the world far more often. This is The Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company. And it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through Real Estate Agents I Trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Bonfire on Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. I just want you to know, everybody, that the Dallas area this past week had some storms on Tuesday night. And when you are listening to this, just know that yours truly came in during the storms to do the show. That is dedication right there. If that isn't, then I don't know what is. So I just felt like sharing that with you. you know, of course, yes. I live two miles away from work. That's neither here nor there. The fact is, I could die. But if you're listening to this, I didn't. So, happy days. Now, I think I, here's a personal story I want to share on, you know, standing up at work. You know, it's not what guarantees good work, okay? Previous block, we talked about how sitting at work is killing us. Okay, well, it's certainly not excellent for you. It's not good for you, okay? But it ain't killing you, I don't think. I think that's a bit too far. But anyway, standing at work doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do good work. Case in point right here. The other day, I decided to go get Taco Bell. All right, you know, mistake number one. Yes, mistake number one. Getting Taco Bell, but I can't help it. It's pretty good. Tastes pretty good. Let me be. <laughs> let's be clear. It tastes good. It ain't good for you, but I'm a human being. I make mistakes anyway. Don't care. Decided to go to Taco Bell. I go up to the drive-through, order my food. Come up to the window. I give the card. I pay for the food for which I ordered. And then all of a sudden, they say, "Hey." Well, do you want any sauce with that? I said, yeah, I'll, some fire sauce, please. All right, great. I look inside. I see the guy grab a handful of fire sauce, just the way I like it, and put it in the bag. Then he hands me the bag and says, thank you, sir. And I said, oh, okay, great, without thinking. As soon as I grabbed the bag, I noticed something. I said, wow, this is really light. What the heck is going on here? I opened up the bag, and there's no food in there. <laughs> It's just a bag with my receipt and the fire sauce. 
And I laughed. I chuckled to myself. I said, you know what? If I was having a really bad day, I'd be really pissed. But I'm able to laugh this off because this this is just too funny. This is weird. I couldn't believe it. So I sat right there at the window. I, I didn't wave. I wasn't knocking on the window trying to get their attention. I just sat there patiently. And I, you know, 10 seconds later, he finally looks out the window and sees me still there. And he's like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, there's no food in here, man. <laughs> and I just started laughing. And he he didn't laugh, though. He he wasn't amused. But he was like, oh, oh I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I said, it's okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, I didn't come here and pay money for bags of fire sauce. In a bag. Hey, where's the food? Oh, okay. And then he grabbed the food, then he put it in the bag, and then he handed it to me, and I moved on. It occurred to me, though, wait a minute. When you, I saw you. You grabbed the fire sauce. You had to open up the empty bag, because it was a brand new bag. You had to open it up, and I saw you look inside and drop it in there. You know, you didn't just shove it in there, and you're busy running around. I saw you open the bag, look inside as you dropped it all in. So you knew... The bag was empty. But then, you stood around for a few more seconds. I don't know what you were thinking. And you just hand me the bag and say, thank you, sir. <laughs> what? I? Uh, how does that happen? I have no clue. It didn't occur to you. Even if you looked inside and it just did not register that there was no food in there. And you just put sauce in there. And that was it. If that didn't... Sp- set you off, you know, and click you in. Ooh, oh, I know what's going on. You didn't think by lifting the empty bag how it weighed, oh, I don't know, two ounces? That didn't ring any bells? That didn't make you wonder? I guess not, because you handed me an empty bag. Sorry. You handed me a bag full of sauce. I was just so baffled. I said, how does that, how does that even happen? You had two opportunities, at least. One when you looked in the bag, and two when you picked up the bag to know that there was nothing in there. So, point of the story. It was a funny moment. I had fun. <laughs> in the moment, I thought, what is going on here? And I just wanted to share that, yes, by standing up at work, which this individual was, that doesn't guarantee good work. There seems to be a, I think, an apparent lack of critical thinking here in America, particularly, unfortunately, with people my age, of my generation, which this particular gentleman was. It just did not register in his head. It just did not click. Hmm. This individual came here to order food. Huh. Interesting. So, <laughs> just it's so funny to me. That is it. Yes, that is the point of the story. Just wanted to share that that does happen. You go to order your food, don't be surprised if someone brings you an empty plate. Don't be surprised if someone hands you a bag full of sauce and says, thank you, sir, as if that's what you ordered. We live in a very strange world. But what matters is the attitude. Like I said, I had fun with it. I laughed, shrugged it off. I got my food 30 seconds later, and it moved on. And it made a great story here on Bonfire. So thank you very much. We'll be right back. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. I've had this discussion with friends of mine from the South as to whether or not it's an advantage for Southern, let's say Southern gentlemen, Southern men in the in the general dating pool to have a Southern accent. I think the answer is a yes. 
better. Not necessarily quite as good if you're a dude to ha- as having a British accent, which is completely unfair. Like, that's just, that's like the equivalent of taking roids for your throat or something. You know what I mean? That's just not right. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, also going along the lines of health here, based off of the A block. You know, sitting is not good for you. Here are 14 bizarre sleeping habits of super successful people. And this is from Business Insider. Here we go. Tom Cruise sleeps in a soundproof snoratorium. They explain. Cruise's snores are apparently so bad that he sleeps in a soundproof snoratorium. Cruz converted a small room, once a nursery, at the back of his house to a soundproof space where he can snore in peace. Whoever uses the snoring room cannot be heard outside the locked door, an alleged visitor to the actor's house told the Daily Mail. It's very small, comfortable, and dark. Okay, Tom Cruise has a snoring problem. Number two, Winston Churchill took a two-hour nap every day. That sounds incredible. Every day at 5 p.m., the Prime Minister would drink a weak whiskey and soda before taking a two-hour nap. Churchill said this short siesta allowed him to get one and a half days' work of done every 24 hours. Churchill would often work through the night and become quite known and became known as quite the night owl. There it is. Because of his irregular sleep schedule, he was said to hold war cabinet meetings in his bath. Yes, that is true, and that is awesome. Join me in the bath. We're going to talk. Mariah Carey surrounds her bed with 20 humidifiers and needs 15 hours of shut-eye per night. That's a bit much. Mariah, come on. She says, I've got to sleep 15 hours to sing the way I want to. Wait. I've got to sleep 15 hours to sing the way I want to, Carrie told Interview Magazine back in 2007. Singer also acknowledged she slept with 20 humidifiers around her bed, which soothe sore throats mm -hmm, and add moisture to dry air. Yeah, that's what they're for. Basically, it's like sleeping in a steam room, she said. That doesn't sound comfortable at all. And 15 hours is a lot. Even as a kid, the most I ever had in my life was 12 where I was actually out, okay? I think there's a difference between getting 15 hours of sleep and 15 hours of just kind of lying there, you know, semi-awake. My record was 12 hours, passed out. Didn't wake up until 12 hours later. You know, no recollection. You're just like, oh, hey, it's morning. That's what sleep does. When you just wake up and you say, oh, oh, there was the night. 15 hours, Mariah? I don't know, but to each his own. Number four, all of Stephen King's pillows are pointed in a certain direction. Interesting. According to Lisa Rogak's book, Haunted Heart, The Life and Times of Stephen King, the science fiction writer has an odd nighttime ritual. He says, I brush my teeth, I wash my hands. Why would anybody wash their hands before they go to bed? I don't know. And the pillows are supposed to be pointed a certain way. The open side of the pillowcase is supposed to be pointed in toward the other side of the bed. I don't know why. That makes two of us, Stephen. Number five, Charles Dickens slept facing north to improve his creativity. Okay. Dickens, who reportedly suffered from insomnia, always kept a navigation compass with him to ensure that he would write and sleep facing north. The writer believed that this quirky practice improved his creativity. Okay. Again, to each his own. If that's what works for you, go right ahead. Nothing wrong with that. Number six, I believe. Marissa Mayer catches up on sleep during week-long vacations every four months. Yahoo's CEO is known to be a workaholic, sometimes clocking as many as 130 hours in a week, which doesn't leave her much time for sleep. To catch up, she recharges by taking week-long vacations every four months. Sweetie, that sounds incredibly 
insane. Way too much work in a week. Okay, there's 168 hours in a week, and you work 130. That's mm, overkill. Yes, you are the CEO, but still, wow. I guess that's why you're the CEO and I'm not, because I would never do that. And to catch up, you only do a week vacation every four months. So three times a year, you take a week off. <laughs> I mean, that's what I do. And I'm, I, you know, no. Uh, if bonfires about anything, it's about a balance, okay? So don't go all anal hardcore at work and trying to get absolutely everything done and go 130 hours a week. Okay, that's what we suggest. Bonfire says, don't do that. Bonfire says, hey, enjoy your work and do a good job and be efficient. But then make time to go home and, hmm, I don't know, get some sleep. Like a healthy, normal human being needs. Enjoy your friends and family and live your life. There's other things to do besides your job. Number seven, novelist Emily Bront, maybe Bronte, walked around in circles until she fell asleep. The 19th century novelist and poet suffered from insomnia, and she would walk around her dining room table until she felt tired enough to fall asleep. Well, that's not too weird. I got no problem with that. That's just, you know, instead of putting on your workout gear and going outside or going to the gym, she just was, well, just going to wear what I got on and walk around the table. And when I'm good and tired, I'll just walk 20 feet over to my bedroom and pass out. Sounds good to me. Number eight, Eminem puts tinfoil on his windows to keep out the light. Okay, dude, get some curtains. Most people put dark shades on their windows, yes, thank you, Business Insider, to keep their rooms dark. But rapper Eminem takes it to another level by wrapping tinfoil around his windows to get better quality sleep. How the hell does that work? That makes no sense. Tinfoil around the windows helps you get better sleep? Get some blackout curtains, that's what that crap is for. He also listens to white noise throughout the night, which he says helps him sleep better when he's traveling between time zones. Okay. I understand the notion of, you know, having sound. I used to have a air filter back when I was a kid, and I always had to have that thing on every night. And when it was off, it was like too quiet to sleep. So I understand the white noise thing. People do it with TV. They do it with the white noise, a fan that makes noise, whatever. They need that kind of stuff. Perfectly fine. Number nine, Ariana Huffington turned her bedroom into a slumber palace. Oh, that just sounds darling. After collapsing from exhaustion in 2007 and waking up in a pool of her own blood because she hit her head. Ariana Huffington became an advocate for getting a good night's sleep. Hmm. So you had to start bleeding profusely from your head before you got that notion. Okay. Huffington turned her bedroom into a slumber palace, complete with canopied bed and blackout curtains. There they are. Before bed, she turns off her phone and plugs all of her electronics into charge overnight outside the bedroom. She then takes a hot bath filled with Epsom salt and lavender oil to calm her mind and help her forget the stresses of the day. Which, uh, what she wears matters as well, and Huffington sleeps in only in garments meant for slumber. No old gym t-shirts allowed here. Finally, she dives into a book of poetry or philosophy and lets it lull her to sleep. All right. I like that idea of, you know, plugging in your electronics to charge and putting them outside the bedroom. You know, don't put it in your bed. Some people sleep with their phones. Man, turn it off. It's okay. Sleep. Unplug from the tech. At least for your sleep, when you're not even going to use it anyway. Okay? We're not telling you to forego technology. No, just turn it off when you ain't going to be using it anyway. So, good job, Ariana. Number 10, Martha Stewart sleeps only four hours a night. Well, that sounds terrible. Stewart's hard work is evident in her success, except when she went to jail. But other parts of her life have suffered, including her sleep schedule. She gets up hours before her crew arrives at 6.30 a.m. to cook breakfast for a host of pets, including horses, donkeys, and more than 200 chickens. Oh, that's sweet. Sort of. Stewart also stays up late reading or watching late night TV. She says, it's an, it's an exhausting lifestyle, and I always say sleep can go. It's not important to me right now. 
what? Then when will it be important? Okay, and the notion, that stupid idea that people say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's not sleep. That's called petrified death. You're gone. You have no choice in the matter. Sleep is a choice. Well, to a degree. Like Ariana. She didn't have a choice. She's minding her business, and then she passes out, knocks her head, almost kills herself. So don't do what Martha's do, what's doing. Four hours a night. Number 11, Leonardo da Vinci. His sleep schedule included 20-minute naps every four hours. Okay. Da Vinci followed an extreme form of polyphasic sleep schedule called the Urban Uberman. Uberman. Uberman sleep cycle, which consists of 20-minute naps every four hours. This unconventional sleep cycle may have given the artist, inventor, scientist more awake time during his days, but it also could have made it difficult for him to work on long-term projects. Okay. I could see that. So think about it. 20-minute naps every four hours. You know, you could take a 10-minute nap, a power nap, that only lasts 10 to 20 minutes. That keeps me up, I think, longer than four hours. So to kind of try to get six to eight hours of sleep, which is a good amount for a human being, an adult, and parse that out in 20-minute pieces? I don't I don't know. It just does not sound enjoyable enough. Why don't people enjoy sleep? It's a break from the day. Revel in it. <laughs> when the lights go out and it's dark out, say, okay, good night. Tech off. No more emails. No more nothing. I am going to be out for at least six hours. I don't know. I can function on six. It's not ideal, but I can do it. So I always shoot for at least six. And I am top of my game when I get eight hours. That's just me. Number 12, Michael Phelps sleeps in a chamber with air comparable to that at an elevation of 9,000 feet. Obviously, he does that to train. By placing his bedroom environment at a high altitude, Phelps decreases the amount of oxygen available, which forces his body to work harder to produce more red blood cells and deliver oxygen to his muscles. It also helps him increase his performance endurance, and there you go, prepare himself for competitions at high elevations. He says, once I'm already in my room, I still have to open the door to get into my bed. It's just like a giant box. It's like the boy in the bubble. All right, so he wants to sleep with less air. That way, when he's when training and when he's swimming, he can be the best that he can be. That's fair enough. Just like runners. If you run up in Denver and you get used to that you know, altitude and that sort of endurance, and then you had a 5K or a marathon to go run in Miami, you'd be, you'd be spot on. You'd be good to go. Your blood will be producing more oxygen than you need. You'd say, man, I can keep going with this. Number 13, inventor Nikola Tesla never slept for more than two hours a day. Okay, that sounds horrible. Tesla has now beaten Martha Stewart. Tesla got more out of the day with his limited sleep schedule. Like Da Vinci, Tesla also followed the Uberman sleep cycle and claimed to never sleep for more than two hours a day. Ugh, that sounds awful. He once reportedly worked for 84 hours straight in a lab without any rest. He says, I do not think there is any thrill that can go through the human heart like that felt by the inventor as he sees some creation of the brain unfolding to success. Such emotions make a man forget food, sleep, friends, love, everything. To a degree, until you're like Ariana, where you just pass out because your body forced you to. And then you hit your head and you die. So, hmm. yeah, you should probably sleep. Number 14, the final one. LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, divided his day into two shifts. The former president split his day into two parts to get more done. He usually woke up at about 6.30 or 7 a.m. and worked until 2 p.m. After a quick bout of exercise, he would crawl back into bed for a 30-minute nap, getting up around 4 p.m. and working into the early morning. 
Johnson reportedly picked up his napping routine from his predecessor, JFK, who also broke up his day into shifts. All right, so there you go. Kind of a little bit like um, Winston Churchill there. He kind of takes a siesta, takes a break in the middle of the day, and then continues well into the evening and into the night doing his work. All right, to each his own. Those are the 14 bizarre sleeping habits of super successful people from Business Insider. But from Bonfire, do what works for you. I would say getting at least six hours of consistent sleep, okay? Don't break it up throughout the day. Don't do that crap. When it's nighttime, go to bed. Turn everything off. When it's time to wake up in the morning, get yourself through the whole day until, I don't know, the evening at least. Some people have just enough energy to make it to 3 p.m., and then they go and take a nap. And then I'm like, great, now you're going to be up until, like, midnight. And you're going to keep that cycle, whatever. If that works for you and your work schedule, your family, your friends, whatever, okay. But I would say for the majority of Americans, you're supposed to sleep at night, at least six hours, and then you wake up in the morning and do your thing. So there you go. From the bonfire. Sleep is good. This is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. Nothing exists in a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum. For every political action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. I can go through the entire book of physics and philosophy if you like. We all know this. No action taken in a binary zero-sum game will be without reaction as bloody as possible from the other side. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Another personal story here to wrap up the show. I, yours truly, Andrew Herzog, will be in Florida the day this episode premieres, which is a Saturday, every Saturday. New Bonfire episodes go up at theblaze.com slash radio. And yes, I will be in Florida. It is not for vacation, although maybe later this year I can do that. It will be for a wedding. Yes, it'll be for Christopher Davis, his wedding. For those of you who have continued listening to us for the past year, you will know that he was the former co-host until he had to start taking up more responsibilities at his job and then decided to propose and then start tackling all the marriage prep and everything you got to do and kind of planning out really the rest of his life, okay? So, important steps, for sure. And he realized, yeah, you know what? I really need to tackle the career here and the job. And I'm going to be proposing here, so I need to prepare for that, make sure I can afford it and be the best person I can be, get things situated, figure out where I'm going to live. He had some, you could say he had some big boy things to figure out. (laughs) So me, I was like, all right, all right. Well, when that's over, uh, maybe you can move to Dallas, or maybe I'll come to you, maybe you can come back. Who knows? We'll figure it out. So I would, of course, absolutely love if Christopher Davis could join the bonfire once more. But with that being said, I will be there for his wedding that weekend, April 30th. So for those of you, please send, you know, you know, well wishes. You know, marriage is always a good thing. It's always a beautiful thing. The, uh, the bride and the groom coming together and saying, you know what? I think I like you. I think I like you too. I mean, it's a bit more involved in that, but you know, I'm being facetious here. It is going to be in Florida. It's going to be beautiful. There is going to be a bachelor party at Top Golf. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it is incredible. It is a driving range that is two stories and you just drive balls out into the fairway and you try to get them into these targets for points. And they got booze, they got food, they got games like pool. 
and uh, what is it like massive Jenga and Connect Four games and the mini golf. It's crazy. They even got a batting cage. It's fun. Lots of good stuff. So we're having the bachelor party there, and then Friday probably going to the beach, and then Saturday's the wedding, and then Sunday flying back home and getting ready for work. So there you go. That's what I will be doing that weekend, this upcoming weekend. It'll be good. So it'll be nice to see a lifelong friend, someone I've known probably since I was six years old, seven maybe, seeing him get married. So I've known him for about 20 years. Yes, 20 long years. So most of my life. It's crazy. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the Bonfire Podcast. This is Andrew Herzog. Please find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, of course, the main website, bonfirethoughts.com, where you can submit your articles. A number of people already have, and we're getting things rolling. It's great. That's what I want. More thoughts on apolitical stuff, okay? Your personal experiences, sports, movies, travel, reviews, food, everything. Come on. Let's do it. Let's all do it together. Thank you very much. Andrew Herzog, out. This is the Bonfire. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network.